Hello and welcome to Enneagram and Coffee, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Case, and I am so happy to have coffee with you today. Today I'm answering one of my most asked questions and one that I'm very excited to dive into. But before we do, I did want to pop in and remind you that I do have a self-typing workshop available to those of you who are still deciding on your type. The workshop is most helpful if you've been on the journey for a little while and have a few types that you feel stuck between. So if you're deciding if you're a three or a seven or a seven, a three or an eight, something like that, um, I walk through the common mistypes, all the subtypes, and so much more to help you navigate determining between one type or another. If that feels like what you're looking for specifically, you can grab the workshop through the link in the show notes. Now for today, What do we do when our husbands, mom, best friend, et cetera, isn't interested in the Enneagram? That's the question I get more than any other question is how do I get these people that I love involved in this thing that has been so important to me? So I totally get this, right? Like I get why we have this desire. We've found this thing. It helps us understand ourselves in ways that we've never been able to express before. It gives us language to know who we are, what we want, why we want it, what's driving us, what keeps coming up for us. It seemingly gives us all of these amazing answers for who we've been and how we've been. And we want everyone in our lives to, one, feel known in that way, two, to be able to communicate with us effectively about what they know of themselves, and three, you know, just feel seen, understood, and heard. It makes complete sense that when we find something like this that we're so interested in that is so helpful for us, and then we have people that we love who are neutral to it at best, that we really want to find a way to get them on board. So I have a lot of thoughts about this, and I'm going to run through them kind of one by one by one. The first thing that I always say, and I think it's important to ask, is why do I want them so interested? I think it's important that we do a quick motivation check here, because it could be, you know, is it because we want to know them better and be known by them better, likely? Or is it because we have things that we'd like for them to change about themselves but they aren't. And we think if they find the Enneagram, then they'll start to work on the things that we think they need to work on. So it's important that we do this motivation check because the truth is we can only control ourselves, right? We can only truly control how we show up. So if we're hoping that through the Enneagram, the people that we love will change, we're creating a dynamic where we're rooting for them to be different, which ultimately will make them feel like we don't love them for who they are. And Two will cause us a lot of stress because at the end of the day, it's not really our job to teach them how to be people. It's our job to love them. So do that motivation check, check in, make sure that you're clear about why you want them to study the Enneagram. If you feel like your motivations are coming from a place of you really truly want to know them better and you want them to feel known, Then I think we move on to the next thing, which is the Enneagram gives us language. We can use that language without ever bringing up the Enneagram. So let's talk about that, right? How do we talk about the Enneagram without talking about the Enneagram? We get to the heart of the matter, right? If what we're seeking is to know the people in our lives, why don't we use this language to speak to them about who they are? You know, if I suspect that my mom might be a type three, I can ask her how important it is to you to feel successful or what does it feel like for you if you get negative feedback? Because here's the thing, that's going to get me to understand her way more 
and open up doors to really productive, fruitful, thoughtful conversations where they feel like we're interested in them, not like we're trying to change them. The other thing that you can do when it comes to being known yourself, if you want them to know you, is to, again, use the language of the Enneagram without having to say the word Enneagram, right? So you can say, today I know I cooked dinner and I did that from a place of wanting to serve and I realize now that I was seeking love and seeking affection and it really means a lot to me when I hear thank you, but I also know that being helpful isn't the way to earn love. You know, being able to talk out what you're doing, how you're doing it without using like, I'm a type two, because actually what can happen is that I see so often us using the Enneagram as a way to dodge intimacy. When I lead with, I'm a type seven, so blank, I actually can limit my vulnerability here by using the Enneagram as a blocker, as a um, neutral placeholder to my actual sincere feelings. It's a lot easier to say, well, I'm a type seven, so I don't really want to make plans that far in advance. Then it is to say, I'm afraid that something more exciting will come up. So if I commit to this right now, then I might be limiting my options later. Because then I have to be honest about why I'm doing that. And that's vulnerable. And sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves and we realize that we're making, we're doing things that actually don't serve ourselves or others if we're talking without using our number as a placeholder. And the other place that I see this happen, you know, is when we're meeting new people, I see us asking, what's your Enneagram type? And I've actually talked about this. I think maybe I've talked about this before. I'm not sure. But I've actually personally quit immediately asking people about their Enneagram number. And instead I say, can I ask you about your Enneagram number? Because the truth is, one, it's vulnerable to express your number. It's actually kind of a private question because there's a lot going on there, right? You're exposing your motivations, your fears, and you're exposing it through a very specific lens that doesn't take your life experience into consideration. And so if I meeting someone for the first time, I ask them their number and I assume I know anything about them based off of their answer, I'm actually limiting my ability for intimacy with them. I'm limiting my ability to get to know them as an individual versus, you know, my stereotype understanding of who they might be. So I encourage you guys to use the Enneagram language, use the Enneagram personally, but when it comes to getting to know someone, when it comes to loving someone, when it comes to understanding them and even being understood yourself, I encourage you to try to use the language without limiting your intimacy, limiting your vulnerability with replacing the truth with the Enneagram. The next thing to keep in mind is if you are saying like the Enneagram is really important to me, it's really impacted me. I want to be able to connect honestly with about this with my significant other or with my parents, whoever, can you express the importance of this to you, to them? You know, maybe have you tried saying, this is something that's really important to me. It would mean a lot to me if you could have this one conversation with me about it. If you could take the test, if you could read up on the numbers, you know, give them specific things that would mean a lot to you, specific things that, that ultimately would matter to you versus, you know, saying, have you looked up the Enneagram yet? Which I think is what we often do is we say, Oh, do you know your Enneagram number yet? Or how? 
can I talk to you about the Enneagram? If you give specific parameters around what would be meaningful to you, that's so much more helpful. It gives them like a clear understanding of what it is that you're wanting from them versus like kind of this amorphous idea of a thing that you want them to study as much as you're studying. Because if they're not interested, asking them to kind of dive in and without any direction can actually create a barrier for them that might not be necessary. But if you can say, would you read the nine types this week? That would mean so much to me. That can spur a little bit more likelihood of them taking action because the expectations are very clear and there's an end point. Because here's what can happen. It's often because they have to buy into this entire system or they have to buy into like the idea of the Enneagram in order to feel like they're making you happy. In reality, you don't need them to buy into the entire system of the Enneagram right now. What you're asking for truly is just connection, right? Understanding. So, you know, you can have that through skipping the Enneagram language, jumping straight to the questions you want to ask, or you can have that through asking for very specific things. Can you take the test? Let me know how it goes. Can you read up on the numbers? Let me know if any of them resonate with you. Instead of Can you get into the Enneagram in general? It's a bigger ask. The other thing that can happen is that it can sound like a buzzword, right? Like a trend that's just kind of really popular right now. And sometimes when things are really popular, we can diminish them or make them seem trivial. And so sometimes when you just hear a word over and over and over again, it can become kind of like a fly in your ear, like a buzzing that just is irritating to hear even if it's actually a really powerful, amazing tool. So hold a little bit of space for that with them and try and help them understand what it has meant for you specifically. And you're going to have a lot more luck with that if you do it without using the word Enneagram as much as possible. If you can really use language of self-understanding, self-experience, what you've learned, how you've learned to love them better, things like that. Another big thing to keep in mind is you really want to avoid typing them. Um, instead, I encourage you to ask them better questions. It's really hard to not have guesses about what the people in our lives numbers might be. You know what a lot of people do, um, which is tell them what you think they are. Um, tell them what they are based off of your estimation. Instead, I highly encourage you to li- one, listen to the podcast episode I did about not typing people so you understand in full context about why that's important. But also just ask them better questions. Do the connection, right? Seek the intimacy that can be arrived at through asking them solid questions. So if you, you know, the same thing, like we talked about with your mom being a type three, if your husband is a type nine, ask him like, how important is is it to you to have peace of mind, to feel rested? Um, What brings you peace? You know, how does conflict feel to you? Is there an area of your life that feels like there's a lot of conflict in it right now? How is that sitting for you? Ask better questions. And then if they ask you, what made you think of that? Just say, well, you know, the type I think you could possibly be on the Enneagram does value this thing very much. And I want to know you. I want to understand you better. And this seemed like a way to do that. Now, the main thing here is that you're doing your Enneagram work. There's honestly like no better way to invite someone into self-growth than to focus on your own self-growth. Because the truth is, is they're going to see the results in your life 
and then your relationship to them. And that's going to really open them up to really being interested and curious and wanting the same for themselves. Now, when I say do your Enneagram work, what I mean by that is really learning to separate yourself from the story of who you have to be in order to be loved, in order to be safe, in order to be accepted, in order to be okay, you know, releasing yourself from the narrative that your Enneagram type puts onto you, allowing yourself to step outside of that and really make decisions from a place of what is healthy for me, what is safe for me, what is best for me, not what do I need in order to be okay. Next thing is, honestly, I want to encourage you to root for them as they are. Be clear that you love them for who they've been and who they've always been. And that will create a safe space for growth for them. Because if they don't feel like you're trying to change them, if they don't feel like you're unsatisfied with who they are right now, it's so much easier for them to explore with you who they can become, you know, how they can release all of those stories. Because like we talked about, if the Enneagram is the story that you tell yourself about who you need to be in order to be loved, it's a lot harder to buy into the releasing of that if you're not sure that you will be loved. So really allowing them to see that they're okay, that there's no expectation of change, that they are loved as they are, that they're welcome as they are, that is where they can truly grow from. It's going to be much, much easier to have that conversation around growth from that place. Now, if you're saying to yourself, they're not loved as they are, then there's a bigger question um, that you might want to have with yourself about that relationship, about that dynamic. You know, can you love them from where they are and why not? What does it have? What is it in you that can't love them as they are? And finally, at the end of the day, they may not choose to go with you down this path. We have to be mindful of the subtle ways that we try to control things. Because here's what happens. Sometimes we really want people to get in on the growth journey. We want them to buy into the Enneagram because we're scared that they won't grow with us. We're scared that we'll grow so much that we're, we are no longer compatible. We're no longer in touch. And the truth is that it's not our job to carry someone with us. It's not our job to impact the way that someone else's growth journey can look. It's actually just our job to grow and to be and to learn to love ourselves and to love others better. And if someone can, you know, joins us on that journey, that's amazing. And if they can't or if they don't, that's okay too. At the end of the day, we have to accept the reality that we're working with instead of trying to control the outcome of things. Because at the end of the day, that kind of control is fruitless. All we can really control is what we contribute. Life is going to unfold as it does. So all that we can really hold on to, all that we can really have power over is what we choose to do from one moment to the next. So to sum all of this up, I encourage you to seek connection with them through the language of the Enneagram without really using the term Enneagram. Ask them great questions, seek them with curiosity, and then really let yourself do your own work. And through that, invite them into the process that they might have with themselves and allow your journey to be your journey and their journey to be their journey and love them anyway. I hope that today's episode helped those of you out who are trying to create this open communication with the people that they love and get to know the people that they love better. Um, it's a worthy cause. It's a worthy effort. It's a beautiful journey. 
and inviting other people on it is completely beautiful and amazing. Thank you guys so much for being here. If you liked today's episode, just leave us a little rating and review on iTunes. It's a great way for us to, you know, get this podcast to new listeners and ultimately know that what we're doing here um, is helpful to you. So thank you guys so much. And I will see you in the next episode.